to sharing, uh, the first in our series on the manifest presence of God. Um, something else I was just thinking about this morning was what it's like to share this space with so many of you. Um, as we were worshiping, I was just thinking about um, standing in the presence of giants, and um, that's all of you. And I was thinking about what preaching is like at the Gospel Tab. I was thinking about like John, Bree, Brooke, um, all preach. Jeff's like in this like preaching development cohort. Um, Teresa's also in that. Kiara, John, preach. Um, Steve has to talk about finances all the time, which is harder than preaching. Um, so just all of, the, all of the leaders, right, within our, our movement um, that are readily equipped um, to preach and teach the Word of God, not just the people in this room. Um, you know, that's not counting, like, all the folks that are up the hill. And so it's a real joy to be a part of a community um, that so easily shares the opportunity to share God's Word, um, to give space for it. And I think there's just something really rich in our experience because of all the people uh, that we learn from, right? It's not just always this one voice. Um, it is one voice, it's the Lord um, speaking through different people. And so it's contextualized in a way that makes sense to all of us. And so this morning, um, kicking off this uh, manifest presence, you can just go back to the, to the opening slide. I'm not quite there yet, Al. Um, but just to say, um, one of the things that's nice about being the opener for a series is I feel a lot less limited than my friends that will come after me with these more particular uh, messages on uh, manifest presence. And so I was asked to kind of set up a bit of, you know, a, a distinctive between God's omnipresence um, and his manifest presence, just so we have an understanding of, of these words that we use. Uh, that we use. And so just really simply, omnipresence um, is just the presence of God in all places at all times. Um, the word omni actually means all. So he's everywhere present all the time. Manifest presence. Uh, manifest actually comes from a word. I had to look this up. It goes all the way back to the 1300s. Um, I can't spell falafel. Um, but I do know that it is also like rooted in Latin. And it comes uh, from a word that means detected in the act, evident or visible. Um, so manifest presence is when God is readily perceived or obvious. Um, I wrote, it's just like when we are particularly or more acutely aware of his presence. Yeah. Um, so like omnipresence is all the time, right? Everywhere. Um, God's, uh, God's manifest presence is when we become particularly aware of his presence. Um, I would say that I've experienced that most recently now, right? Um, just think about the space that we're in. Uh, think about the environment that we're in. Even in worship, I hear John Weber um, praying for us to experience God, right? Young and old, I heard him saying, right? Like for all of us to just continue to experience uh, the presence of God. So John was praying that as we were experiencing um, the presence of God, right? It's just this invitation, this awareness, God, you're present. Uh, we want more of you. And so in the Christian Missionary Alliance, um, the denomination that we're a part of, we like to lean into um, some of these legends of our faith. And one of those that has been particularly influential in uh, the Christian Missionary Alliance is A.W. Tozer. Uh, you may have heard of him. He wrote a book um, that I did read and even preparations for this called The Fire of God's Presence. And he says that the presence of God and the manifestation of the presence are not the same. There can be the one without the other. God is here when we are wholly unaware of it. He is manifest only when and as we are aware of his presence. On our part, there must be surrender to the Spirit of God for his work. For his, for his work, it is to show us the Father and the Son. 
if we cooperate with him in love and obedience, God will manifest himself to us. And that manifestation will be the difference between a nominal Christian life and a life radiant with the light of his face. In the College of Prayer, uh, which is another ministry that has been really influential um, on the tab itself and in the Alliance, and you might remember Steve Ross, he was in Pakistan um, late last year. That was all part of the College of Prayer. They have been helpful in teaching us how to cultivate God's presence um, in prayer. And Fred Hartley says that the greatest need in the church today is for a fresh encounter with the manifest presence of Christ. Perhaps the greatest tragedy of the church today is that we have blurred the distinction between the omnipresence, which is just that everywhere presence of God, and the manifest presence, that readily perceived or obvious presence of God. The manifest presence of God will bring change to us and in us. It will release the power of God among us and can be experienced in all of us. God can manifest himself in various ways. It can be a strong encounter, a mighty release of his anointing on our lives, a dream or a vision. It can be an overwhelming feeling, or it can be a gentle nudge. You will not always feel something physically, but you will feel it in the deep places. Um, I was thinking as I was preparing something to have my coffee, because this is the equivalent of water. Um, <laughs> I don't know if that's scientifically accurate. Um, it's, most, it's, it's mostly water. Like <laughs> went the whistle. Um, as I was thinking about this message, I was thinking about what are some examples in my life that I could share with you where I've just become particularly aware of God's presence, like in a particular moment, a particular place or time. Um, and I share this story uh, with the Crestmont campus at one point shortly after it happened. Um, but I was at lunch with Steve Rossi um, one afternoon, and we were meeting in a space that's actually smaller than this. It's called Lady Bird Luncheonette in Beaver. And, I mean, it's like this, like the size of that keyboard. Um, you go in, there are very few places to sit. You know, there's like the, the, the counter area and um, some random seating arrangements. And Steve and I met there for lunch. Uh, funny part of that story is he had to use the restroom. Um, they don't have a restroom. And so I think he like literally like ran to Starbucks and came back um, so that we could continue our time together. But after we had ordered, um, Steve and I were sitting there, and before our food um, even came, we said, hey, let's just go ahead, we're talking, let's go ahead and just ask God's blessing over our meals. We wait for it. And so I began to pray, and as I began to pray, I went to thank God for my friendship with Steve. So that was like where I was going in my mind, right? So it's like... You know, that was like the thought that I had. You know how you kind of like you hear your thoughts before they come out? So I was beginning to pray, thanking God for Steve's friendship. And just when I got to the word friendship, it was like a word broke into my mind. I mean, it was just like, like as I could see it as clear as day. The word brotherhood like, intercepted that word friendship. But I got stuck. Like, at the point that I went to utter that word brotherhood, it just stopped. And it was just like, I got usurped by God's presence, like the, like the Holy Spirit. And um, like, like when you're in a restaurant like that, you can't get away from anything. So I'm sitting there across from Steve, um, and I went to say brotherhood, but I couldn't say it. And I just began to cry. Well, I will tell you, signing like God's presence for me, if you've been around me for a little bit, and you grew up in my kids have seen it, is how tears will sometimes 
um, precede or like, you know, it, at the time that I was working, I will begin to like cry. Well, a lot of folks didn't know me. Maybe you've seen me enough to wonder yourself. Um, I don't like emote much. Um, people will tell me that I'm, I'm like a hard read. Um, I remember like, I'm looking at like Andrea there. I remember um, her husband's friend who I was meeting um, said that I appear to run a little cool. Um, like, there's not a lot that comes out. Um, so there I am in this tiny little restaurant trying to hold my stuff together. It's like tears were just like leaking out of my face. Steve's on the other side, right? This little table. He doesn't know what's happening, but Steve's been around long enough to know that something was happening. And finally, like I like whisper, like it's like I couldn't get the word out. I said brotherhood, and that made it worse. Pow! Like, um, and so Steve was just so gentle. Um, and you get to a certain point, you just don't care what people think. Um, and he just let that moment like happen. He didn't try to like get in front of it or protect, you know, like, the, like you know, my identity and what may have been happening. Um, he just let it happen. And I remember um, eventually he did begin to pray because I just like couldn't put it together. Um, and so he just so gently like prayed. And when we came out of that, um, I tried to explain to him what had happened. And I remember Steve saying, he was like, Michael, I think that God is tenderizing you. Like, these tears are a sign of some of, like, the inward change that he's doing in you. Um, so that's, like, a, you know, one of those, like, experiences, right? Where it's just, like, God's manifest presence. I became particularly aware of God speaking and moving um, in that moment. And so that became true not just for me, but it became true for Steve. And it probably became pretty odd for, like, other people that may have been around. It's like, why is this grown man sitting here crying like a baby? Um, you know, but I didn't care, right? Um, you just, you have to, like, just kind of let it happen. Um, another uh, really recent experience was um, in preparation for a night of missional community. Um, you know, we meet in these smaller gatherings uh, throughout the week. You hear us talk about it in our announcements, and we call those missional communities. Um, in preparation for a missional community, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was sitting um, in one of our work conference rooms with Jeff Francona. We work together, and we're talking about what we might do that night as we we're attempting to lead what we call an up night. So we do these rhythms of up, in, and out. Um, actually, in RMC, we switched it up. We're in, up, and out. Um, so we're preparing for an up night, and we're going to do some things that we hadn't done before with our group. And so we're beginning to like talk through like the songs and the scriptures and the prayer and like, the direction uh, for that evening. And I remember just in that conversation, I kept just having a sense of God's presence. And I kept like having to like look away or like look down. I'm like, oh God, like I just sense your presence. Um, in this conversation, just had like an overwhelming sense of his presence. Now Jeff was unaware that I was having that kind of experience because I was doing my best to like hold it together and stuff it, right? Um, but I remember as we went into that evening, I think I did share with you. You're like, I had no idea. This, this, this stuff still, I'm still kind of pretty effective sometimes about being able to be read. Um, but inside, I, I was a mess. I had all this stuff happening. Um, and as we went into the evening, I just think there was a really clear sense of God's presence. And as we moved through that night, we did some things we hadn't done. We took communion together as a missional community uh, for the first time. And we just soaked in God's presence. And we began to speak the name of Jesus into things in our lives. And we just stayed in that place for longer than we ever have. And I remember as we left that evening, one of our friends said, 
I didn't want to leave. Um, it was just like a new experience for them in that space. And she said, I just didn't want this to end. I didn't want to leave. Um, and then uh, the last one that I have is these ways that God just right, intersects with the ordinary parts of our lives. Um, I was in a meeting at work recently, and part of the reason or part of what needed to be said in that meeting was some covering for some things um, that weren't right. Um, things that had happened that shouldn't have. Um, just a lack of regard for people or a sensitivity or an awareness of how sometimes what we say might impact people. And I just think about sometimes when you're part of the dominant group, um, how you become unaware of how things might land for another person. Um, and so I'll just speak to, to, the, to the brotherhood here with some guys who were just really insensitive to a woman that was in the room in terms of how they were talking about something, how that may have made her feel. And it wasn't inappropriate at all. It was just it was just a lack of awareness. And so I wanted to cover that when I became aware of it. Um, as a leader in our organization, I was like, I want to make sure that, that she's okay. And so another uh, female leader and I sat down with her. We heard her version of what had happened. We began to like speak to that. And I just remember, and this is stuff that I've learned uh, from all of you, um, I just began to like ask for forgiveness on behalf of the organization. I was like, I'm really sorry that that happened. And it should have. And again, she was so gracious. She was like, I, I understand. And, you know, I know that there was nothing intended by it, uh, but it was hurtful. And so just, you know, there was like a, a corporate-like repentance that happened, um, again, in a conference room in my workplace. Um, and we began to talk about that. And it was so interesting. As that conversation developed, uh, the other woman that was in that room with me began to talk about how in the season of fasting, she also comes to our missional community. Um, that's a new discipline for her and her husband. She's like, we haven't fasted before, but we're fasting now. And so they began to enter our 21-day fast with us, right? Her and her husband. And she began to talk about the breakthrough that she's experiencing in a dysfunctional relationship with her mom that was rooted in shame. And she said, my mom and I like began to go to counseling together because of some horrible things that happened on Christmas Day. She's like, I don't want this for us anymore. There's a better way forward for us. Um, so they began to go to counseling together. Um, I will refer a really good therapist if they need one. Um, they began to go to counseling together, but coming out of that space, her mom said to her, I think I'd like to study the Bible with wow. you. So again, like just right, the sense of like God's presence begins to like manifest itself in the room. I felt even before that happened that I wanted to pray, right? So you're in this space and these things are being shared and like, you know, like forgiveness is being asked for and it's being like received. And I was just like, I want to pray. Um, and so we did enter in a time of prayer. And so there I sit, like in 102, conference room 102, um, experiencing the manifest presence of God in that space. Um, you know, and so it's just, I, I say that to say that we sometimes look for it in all these like wild and crazy ways, um, but it's oftentimes just in the very ordinary spaces yeah. that God begins to speak, right? He intersects the ordinary with the the extraordinary, right? The natural intersects with the supernatural. Um, I'll tell you guys, I haven't preached in a long time and I have some notes. Um, I was kind of wondering if this would be like five minutes or like 55. Um, <laughs> so my technique here is a bit different than anything I've done before. It was raining. I thought, I'm going to put these in these protective sheets that Brooke used when she preaches this binder. Um, but in case you're wondering, I did realize that Brooke left her old sermon notes. There's probably like a couple messages in here. So if I keep going, it's because I'm, I'm actually preaching one of Brooke's old sermons. But 
Yeah, I actually, you know, have for us here um, that it's good to know about God, but he wants us to know him for ourselves, right? There's a difference between knowing about God and knowing him for ourselves. God wants to reveal himself to us so that we will draw near to him. God wants us to experience his manifest presence. Um, in preparation for this, one of the fun things that I remembered is as a church community, we have these core values. And core value number 12 is actually manifest presence. Now, I do want to say, don't think that because it fell all the way to number 12 that it's not a priority. We have a lot of core values. Um, but number 12 here um, is God's uh, manifest presence. And so we're going to run through this. I want to try to do, do my best to do some machine gunning, which is what Brooke does when she preaches. She just hits us like quick and hard. Um, so God is omnipresent whether he is acknowledged or not. He's manifested present where he is treasured, acknowledged, celebrated, and encountered. It's God's, if you haven't seen these before, they're on our website, right? Check out our core values. I was like, this is good. Um, we have a lot of stuff in here. It's God's presence that has always been the distinctive of his people. As we engage our primary work of prayer, we are sent into the world on mission. As we engage the mission, we seek his presence even more. We steward a culture of intimacy with his presence and action in the world. And you can see, I have, when we created that slide, you can leave that there, um, it's all the same. Um, you can go to that next slide. Um, we have all of these scriptural references for this statement that we speak to about our core value of being uh, people of the manifest presence. And so I'm just going to rip through these scriptures real quick um, so that you have an understanding of what they're rooted in. And so you can see that we talked about this a bit already. God is omnipresent whether he's acknowledged or not, which would be the next slide, Ella. Um, I believe it's Psalm yeah, 30, 139. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. Um, the second one wasn't in our core values. It's just one of those ones that I'm like, yeah, it's a good one. Um, Jeremiah says, Who can hide in secret places so that I cannot see them, declares the Lord. Do not I feel heaven and earth, declares the Lord. So this idea, right, the omnipresence of God. No place you can go to get away from him. Um, you can run, but you can't hide. Um, and then we also say that he's manifested present where he's treasured. Um, For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere, says David. Uh, we read this this morning. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness, um, where he's acknowledged. And the Lord came and stood, calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel, and Samuel said, Speak, for your servant hears. Right? There's an acknowledgement of God speaking and Samuel responding to the voice of the Lord. Also, where he's celebrated, God has gone up with a shout. The Lord with the sound of a trumpet, Psalm 47, 5. David had a lot to say about experiencing the manifest presence of God and um, encounters. So number five there. And I have a big passage here. This is actually the experience of John um, with Jesus in Revelation 1. And so he says, I, John, your brother and partner, in the tribulation and kingdom and in the patient endurance that are in Jesus, was on the island called Patmos on account of the word of God and testimony of Jesus. So he's exiled, right? Because of his convictions and his preaching and his teaching, his following of Jesus. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. So hear that? Um, John is experiencing the manifest presence of Jesus. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying, 
write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus and to Samaria and to Pergamum and to the other church and Sardis and to Philadelphia. <laughs> then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. And on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands and in the midst of the lampstands, one like the Son of Man. So this is manifest. Clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. Um, actually, it extended what we have in our core values just to get the whole context. The hairs of his head were white like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace. And his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand, he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. And his face was like the sun shining in full strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last, and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades. Write, therefore, the things that you have seen, those that are and those that are to take place after this. As for the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the seven angels of the seven churches, are the angels of the seven churches. And the seven lampstands are the seven churches. There's a ton in here, and I want to get back to this in just a minute um, because I think there's something really profound for us um, as we begin to engage this, this series on God's manifest presence. Uh, but I'm going to keep moving. Um, so that was where he's encountered, right? So that's an impactful encounter that John has um, with the resurrected Jesus. Um, and then in Exodus, um, it's God's presence that has always been the distinctive of his people. Right? It's this acknowledgement of the fact that we are people of the Lord. Um, so I, I, I like this here. This is Moses. Um, he says, For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Moses is a representative of the people of God, right? Is it not in your going with us so that we are distinct, I and your people? So Moses is kind of going back and forth with God in the tent of meeting here. You know, God's like, I'm going to send the angel in front of you, and like, he's going to like, like just wreak havoc on all these people, like the Canaanites and the Jebusites and the Mosquitoites, all those. <laughs> like, so, like, yeah, the angel of death is like out ahead of him, and Moses is like, but what we're known by is your presence, right? The distinctive of us, the thing that makes us different, is your presence, and so he's he's actually like, like just begging the Lord. Um, I and your people from every other people on the face of the earth. Um, and then moving on, there's some, some application here. So as we engage our primary work of prayer, First uh, Timothy says, first of all, then I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people. We are then sent into the world on mission. Uh, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart from you Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. So what is the context? For all this happening, it's experiencing the manifest presence of God, right? While they are worshiping and praying, then they give the word to send um, Saul and Barnabas. Um, also, as we engage, um, as we engage the mission, we seek His presence even more. Uh, we steward a, cult a culture of intimacy with His presence. In action in the world, so Luke 5. But now even more, the report about him went abroad, and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. So it's this picture of Jesus, right? Finding those places of intimacy with the Father, right? Experiencing, Jesus, experiencing God in his manifest presence, right? 
in, um, in this quiet, secret place, and then from that place of intimacy, going out on mission. Um, so you can see in these, these scriptures throughout the Bible uh, that fire is often used to, uh, to represent the manifest presence of Christ. And so I'm going to keep machine gunning here as, as we get to uh, the, this next section. Um, you can actually go back to the previous slide. I'm not ready for that one yet. Um, but I have a bunch of passages here that I just want to call our attention to that represent the fire of God's presence. Um, first one I wrote down was Abraham encountering God in the smoking pot and flaming torch in Genesis 15. Um, when the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking pot, uh, smoking fire pot, flaming torch passed between these pieces. Moses met God um, in so many different ways in his manifest presence, but the one that I noted was in the fire in the burning bush in Exodus 3. Um, in Exodus 13 and, and in other places, Israel experienced the presence of God on their exodus from Egypt in the pillars of cloud by day and fire by night. And in Mount Sinai, it says that the mountain was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended in fire. Um, a favorite for so many of us, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego felt the fire of God's presence, but not the fire of Nebuchadnezzar's furnace at full blast, right? Um, interestingly enough, they're not the only ones that encountered God's presence um, in that story. Nebuchadnezzar experienced a manifest presence as he leapt up in amazement and asked his advisors when they weren't consumed by the fire, right? Um, and remember that the men that led them into the fire actually passed because of the heat of the fire. Um, so Nebuchadnezzar jumps up and says, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. And we believe that to be um, a pre-incarnate um, Jesus. Um, Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. Um, and then Nebuchadnezzar goes on to worship the God of the Israelites and sometimes overlook the Israelite boys get a promotion. Um, it's like one of the things you get said at the end of that passage, right? So you have all this crazy stuff that happens. You can't imagine that. It's like, and they got promoted um, in the kingdom of Nebuchadnezzar. Um, I mentioned David being, um, you know, just there's so many references to David, like um, ministering uh, in God's presence. And so David called on the Lord from repenting of his sense of sin. And the Lord met him with fire from heaven. And that's the story where he's like, why is the threshing floor? Um, because he had taken a census and he had been told not to, but it was like David wanted to measure his might, right? It's like, all right, um, I, think, I think we're pretty good. Um, and I was like, no, 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 and he did it. So he repented of that. Um, and God sends fire to consume uh, the sacrifice. <clears throat> At the dedication of the temple, Solomon prayed fire, prayed the fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and sacrifices. It says, the glory of the Lord filled the temple. Elijah challenged the prophets of Baal, saying that the God who answers by fire is the real God. And it just so happened that the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering, and the wood and the stones and the dust, and licked up water uh, that was in the trench. On the day of Pentecost, the early church was gathered, and tongues of appeared to them and rested on each of them, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave than utterances. Um, so I have some bad news and I have some good news about all of this. Um, if, you're if you're as attracted as I have been in my life and intrigued by uh, or desires of wanting to see God represented by these physical manifestations of fire, um, we probably won't ever have that happen like we've seen 
right, in some of these Old Testament passages. Um, I'm not saying that it couldn't happen or that it wouldn't happen. I'm just saying, based on like our experience, it probably won't. Um, why? Uh, because on this side of Jesus, it's not necessary to have those demonstrations of his presence in those ways anymore because we have a better revelation. Because Jesus' blood was poured out on the cross and because of his death, defeating resurrection, and because his glorified self sits at the right hand of the Father, and because he sent his Holy Spirit, we have access to his sin-cleansing, identity-shaping, assignment-giving, altar-burning, soul-sanctifying, disease-healing, devil-whipping, life-giving, manifest presence every single moment of every single day. God's presence among his people is his fire. All right, let me say that again? Yes. All right. All right, this is where, like, Michael's preaching. Appreciate, appreciate the request, John. I like because Jesus' blood... Seriously, seriously, like, catch this. Because Jesus' blood was poured... We have a better revelation, right? Yes. Um, that stuff's cool. Like, I want to see that, right? There's, like, pillars of cloud and fire and fire from heaven. And, like, sometimes I want that, right? It's like there's something in us. It's like we want the pyrotechnics, um, but we don't get it. But it's because we have something better. And I think it's super important that when we leave here today that we know that we leave with a better revelation than what Moses and David had, right? As good as that was, we have something better, and it's Jesus. And because of his blood poured out on the cross, and because of his death-defeating resurrection, and because his glorified self sits at the right hand of the Father, and because he sent the Holy Spirit, we have access to sin-cleansing, identity-shaping, assignment-giving, altar-burning, soul-sanctifying, disease-healing, devil-whipping, life-giving, manifest presence every single moment of every single day. God's presence among his people is powerful. Let me just testify to that. Um, I was in a meeting this week, and, you know, I go into meetings, and my move, he always comment on, like, how I handle my phone, like, conscious of it. And I would give, like, announcements to the church. I would do this little thing. It's as close as I'll get to being a gun, gunfighter. Um, I have another story about that. So I go into a meeting, and my move is, when I go into a meeting to keep my phone from being a distraction from the people that I'm in the room with, I just turn it upside down. Um, I'm also, like... An old watch where I don't have an Apple Watch anymore. So it's like, I don't get that interruption. I can just pay attention to Kiara when she's talking to me. Um, so anyway, I go into this meeting. It wasn't an especially long meeting. I'm sometimes in really long meetings. Um, all those are chef. But anyway, I go into this meeting. I have my phone down. When I go to leave, then I do this, right? I look. I went to that meeting with no like new text messages. And when I came out of that meeting, I had 50. And I was like, hmm. <laughs> I went to another meeting, boom, and I go into a lot of meetings, put my phone, I came out, picked up my, I had 75. So, at that point, 75 was enough to make me curious, I was like, what is happening here? I go into my, my messages, and I can see that Brooke had sent a message out to at least 50 people, well, I guess, then 75, I don't know, um, because I had gotten news um, from the pulmonary ambulance specialist that I've been working with. Some of you know had like, like the bad COVID and um, had been really sick and um, through that uh, developed blood clots in my lungs and that can be really concerning and like the, the concern for that or like the really intense concern for like that killing you, like it, that ship had sailed. So I entered the season of what they call long, long COVID and 
Um, I had all kinds of tests done, really like fancy tests where they could see like what's happening in my lungs. And Brooke and I went to a meeting, they had like a video of me breathing and like all these like, colors were identified and they were telling us like the good color, you know, is this and the bad color is that. Because like, <gasps> um, it didn't look so good and they told me that this was kind of going to be my like reality and that these like clots, even though they weren't like threatening at this point, were kind of pasted into places um, in my lungs and it was just kind of like, this is, this is kind of like your story. Um, all right, so the, like I remember, they even used the, the phrase to help me to understand it. Um, like the, these, like claws were like plastered into places, like within like my lungs. Um, so this idea of like plaster, just staying like thick, right, just stuck in there. And so you kind of go with with that news, and, and you leave like you know wanting to feel better and experience something better. Um, and man, I, I just want to say thanks so much for praying for me, um, because I think like the seventy five text messages were also like seventy five people that had been praying. And God answered that because I got a message um, last Monday uh, from Dr. Rispano saying that after my last test, there are no signs of like getting I didn't expect that. I just kind of figured it was like the, the hope was that it was like nothing's changed. Um, and the news was that there was no evidence of pulmonary embolisms in my lungs. Um, and so for me, like, I just felt like in that moment, like a weight lifted, right? It was just like, even if the news didn't represent like what had happened, it did represent, but it didn't, it's not because he said that, that it happened, right? Uh, but there was something, even though that may have already, or had already happened, right? That change had happened before he told me. When those words were released, I was like, wow, like, I just felt like a weight yeah. um, lifted. So just to speak to, like, that's, um, that's what I was trying to preach about there. Um, this is what he does, right? It's the disease healing, right? The life-giving um, power of Jesus that we have available to us every moment of every day. Um, so I want to get back to that Revelation passage. Uh, I just thought this was really key. Um, and so the, the reason the church is represented by a lampstand in Revelation and it took me a minute to get this. It really did. Because I was like, mm, I don't know. Like, I wasn't feeling it. Um, but the reason that the, the church is represented by a lampstand in Revelation, um, and you have to remember that at the time of John's vision, a lampstand wasn't a light bulb. Right? So, like, in my mind, I had to get, like, in, like, as Brooke says, I had to strap my sandals on and get into the story. It was like, what did a lampstand look like when John was, was experiencing this vision? Um, it was a flame holder. Right? A lamp was a flame holder. No light bulbs, right? Um, so the reason that the church is represented by a lampstand in Revelation is because the single characteristic that distinguishes the church from every other institution on earth is the manifest presence of God. It's the fire of God. It's the fire of God that makes us different. Everyone has access to the omnipresence of God whether they know it or not. Only the church... We're the only ones that have continued access to the manifest presence of God. And we carry the fire. Do you get that? So the reason the churches are represented by lampstands is because we represent fire and the church carries fire. I felt like that like hit me. Like, like, in, like in preparing for this, I was like, that makes more sense. Every time I thought of the lamps, I thought of like a cheap lamp with a cheap light bulb in it. I was like, no, this is like fire. Yeah. Um, we carry the fire of God everywhere that we go. But the issue isn't about the physical presence of fire, right? Like we, we talked about in the Old Testament. It's about cultivating an undeniable awareness of his manifest presence. Right? It's like us understanding who we are, whose we are, where we are every moment 
of every day. So I do have another slide here, Ella. Um, I have a slide 12. I'm not used to having someone else prepare slides when like you teach or preach. Um, so we're vibing together, Ella. You got slide 12? Um, yeah, that's it. The most holy and necessary practice in our spiritual life is the presence of God. That means finding constant pleasure in his divine company, speaking humbly and lovingly with him in all seasons, at every moment, and this is my favorite part, without limiting the conversation in any way. So it's a hearing from the Lord, right? It's like this like ongoing communion with the Father, and us not limiting the conversation anyway. Are any of you like as good as I am at limiting the conversation? Yeah, it's like, I think I hear you, Lord, but, right? Or, like, we find, like, all these distractions and there's distractions, right? It's like this, right? It's like when you sit in a meeting with your phone like this, oh, Brooke's texting me again. Turn that over, right? We want to limit the distractions. We want to um, we want to hear from the Lord. Um, so, I don't know if anybody knows. Does anybody know who Nicholas Herman was? No. All right. I thought that that would be true. It's because we know him better as Brother Lawrence. Anybody know who Brother Lawrence is? Yeah, so Brother Lawrence's first encounter with God's manifest presence, uh, I thought this was really cool, was about looking at a tree in the dead of winter. And this was before he was Brother Lawrence. He was actually um, in, in the army. Um, and so the tree was without leaves or fruit. Um, and while staring at that tree, he says, first flash in upon my soul the fact of God. So his first encounter um, with God is looking at this dead tree. Um, and like the tree... He himself was seemingly dead, but God had life waiting for him, and the turn of seasons would bring fullness. Right? So that was just a tree, like, you know, in the wintertime, but it wasn't dead. Um, it was just, there was more waiting for him. Um, do you know uh, what important work Brother Lawrence went on to do? Do you know where he went from there? Yeah, he was like, like a kitchen aide. Right? Not like a mixer, but like somebody that works in a kitchen. Um, yeah, he entered a monastery. Thanks, Kiara. <laughs> you can ask Kiara after. Didn't catch it. Um, he entered a monastery and was assigned to the kitchen, cooking and cleaning and doing the bidding of his superiors. Uh, but here we are 400 years later, quoting a monastic cafeteria worker who came to understand that common business no matter how mundane and routine, is the medium of God's love. Amen. That's another one you maybe have me repeat, John. Um, <laughs> common business, no matter how mundane or routine, is the medium of God's love. I just think like we want to have these like massive like experiences, right? We want to kind of like blow the doors out. We want to like fill stadiums. We want to, and it's like no. Like I think that most of how God moves and acts is in these ordinary everyday intersections. Um, with our lives. And I think Brother Lawrence was a really good model for that. Like I said, who, I thought it was really cool. Like, when I was in here this morning, I was thinking about that. And I'm like, look at where we are. Um, we sit in a space that was built by a monastic community, right? Who do a lot of really ordinary things. But guys like Bill Farah um, have gone before us and building a foundation for us to experience the manifest presence of God. I think about the rhythm of their lives, right? They meet in their morning, noon, and night. Um, to come together to experience the manifest presence of God. Um, so yeah, some really, really good examples um, in that. So um, next slide, Ella. I have here, nor is it needful that we should have great things to do. Um, again, this is Brother Lawrence. We can do little things for God. I turn the cake that is frying on the pan for love of him. And that done, if there is nothing else to call me, I prostrate myself and worship before him who has given me grace to work. 
Afterwards, I rise happier than a king. It is enough for me to pick up but a straw from the ground uh, for the love of God. Early on, um, next slide, um, the Christian community realized that everything about us, our worshiping and learning, conversing and listening, teaching and preaching, obeying and deciding, working and playing, eating and sleeping, takes place in the country of the Trinity. That is, in the presence and among the operations of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Um, it comes from Eugene Peterson, his book, Christ Plays in a Thousand Places. So just like another picture, right, of this idea that like it's all these ordinary places and spaces um, where we can encounter uh, the manifest presence of God. And so as we wrap things up, I have no idea how I'm going to be honest with you. Um, John, why don't you come on up and think about questions? Yeah. So when I say wrap it up, <laughs> in the next 17 pages, um, I just want to give us some application. And none of these are especially profound, and I can say with like so much confidence, it's the stuff that we already do. So I'm just calling uh, out some reminders. Um, the first one is consistently invite God's manifest presence. God loves to come where he's welcome. Right? God loves to come where he's invited. Um, I think that's what makes these spaces so special. Uh, we come into this space, and maybe for the first time all day or all week, we're like, oh, God, like, I've kind of forgotten. Um, I've allowed all these other voices and distractions to keep me from experiencing and hearing your manifest presence. Um, so yeah, just consistently invite God's manifest presence. There are so many stories in this room of people who have cultivated practices in their lives to experience the manifest presence. So I would just encourage you, as you have time and space, if that's something you want to learn and grow in, um, find these folks out there. I wonder if I have something that I could learn from them. Um, if you need pointed in a, in a certain direction, I'd be happy um, to give you that. But find space to soak in God's presence. Isaiah 55, 6 says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. We do not seek an experience with God. We seek an encounter with God. Yeah, yeah. We do not seek God's manifestations. We seek his manifest presence. Yeah. Second, look for God's manifest presence in your daily life. The Holy Spirit is constantly making Christ known to you and through you. So just like, look for it, right? Um, I think about, you know, like those moments, those spaces um, where God's like, hello. It's kind of like if you've ever seen Back to the Future. Um, <laughs> who, who in here has heard of Back to the Future? Right? So you've got like George McFly, right? It's like the, the nerd. Um, you've got Biff and they're in the diner. Um, and all of a sudden, like, Biff puts, like, McFly in a headlock and my kids are can you see this time you know? So he puts him in a headlock and he's, like, like knocking on his head. He's like, hello, McFly, right? So sometimes God's got us in his headlock. He's like, hello, like, I'm here. I'm giving you what you need. Um, go. Um, so you have to see it, right? And I think about as we look for it, we'll see it. Um, I was looking for eggs in the refrigerator this morning. I said to Brooke, I'm like, do we have any more eggs? And she's like, yeah, they're right there. We were like standing right next to each other, like 18 inches from the shelf that they were sitting on. I was actually looking for them on the shelf that they usually are. 
which is again, they're right here, right? So I think we just need to like continue to look for God, right, in those places, um, and we'll find them. The Holy Spirit is constantly making Christ known to us and through us. First um, Thessalonians five nineteen says, "Do not put out the Spirit's fire; um, just go for it." Like when you see He's moving, um, just just welcome it. When the Counselor comes, whom will I send to you from the Father? The Spirit of Truth, who goes out from the Father, He will testify about me. John also says, "He will bring glory to uh, me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you." So the words of Jesus, right? He will bring glory to me. By taking from what is mine and making it known to you. He's super generous. Um, so third, um, and this one can be confusing um, for some of us. Um, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, just invite His Spirit to come. Um, if you have given your life to Christ, um, just invite that Spirit to come. The most basic anointing we need is the empowerment to lead others to a fresh encounter with God's manifest presence. When you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you're filled with prayer. You're filled with His presence. And you're filled with his power. Um, Jesus, uh, John says, I baptize uh, you with water for repentance. But after me will come one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not fit to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Romans, it says, I know that when I come to you, I will come in the full measure of the blessing of Christ. And Isaiah, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a garment spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. So just be filled uh, with the Spirit. Fourth, always give preference to God's manifest pre pre uh, presence. Let me say that again since I didn't say it very well the first time. Always give preference to God's manifest presence. Uh, we have to get out of our own way sometimes, right? Um, you have to be able to show like your preferences your plans, your agendas to make room for God's manifest presence. And that comes from learning to hear his voice. Um, I remember a story of a, you know, a friend of mine um, just was so certain that God had something for him. Um, and he talked about how in that moment um, he just rationalized it away. Um, because he was actually doing something else that was really good. Um, and he was like, you know, I was convinced. That, like I, I knew that it was the Lord. But there was something else that I was also doing that was good, and so I didn't do it. And in that moment, he was like, I just realized I had missed an opportunity to like be obedient. Um, and so what do we do? He was like, I tried to like hustle it up and make up for it. Um, like once he knew that moment was past, um, he tried to scramble to like recapture it, and the moment had passed. But for me, I was like, don't, don't forget that lesson, right? You can trust him. Even if it doesn't make sense, even if you're doing something good, he may have something better. Um, so always give preference to God's manifest presence. And last, uh, declare God's manifest presence in prayer. Learn to minister to the presence of Christ. If you want to know how to do that, um, show up at Upper Room Prayer. Um, it's a super cool place to be able to like, learn to embrace and minister the presence of Christ. Um, embrace your identity um, as a flame holder. 
that you exist for one ultimate purpose, which is to receive, sustain, and hold out the manifest presence of Christ.